that John is too funny, right? You guys are so blessed to have John as your pastor. Anyway, hello. Thank you, John. That was awesome. Thank you, especially to Renee Billing, who helped me get all this together. It's been a long time since we've been here. And I'm so glad that uh, Virgie, my wife, is here. My French and my only wife, which is very good. And we're just excited to be here. It's great to see the alls and people, new faces and faces we haven't seen for a while. So we uh, wanted to start by saying bonjour. Hello to you are online, all that are joining us. And as John said, I want to talk to you about um, but God's story and why we can't say it enough. And I would hope, at least you'll see that, why I can't say it enough. And I would hope that as you hear and we talk about this, that you would maybe start to think, what are some of my but God stories? And maybe you would share. And I would hope that maybe someone would go away and just have a new, fresh sense of hope. So I'm excited for that. So here we are. If I had met you before this service and we were going to talk about God and, and I said, hey, what do you think my favorite two words in the scriptures are? I would have said, but God. They're like the two greatest words that were ever put together. And when I first heard about them, I was in my 20s. And I was working as an ad executive in New York City. And my brother brought all these different believers to take me to lunch and try to share Christ with me. And I finally broke through. And then he started a Bible study in my parents' basement. And in that study, of the eight of us, six of us ended up going into uh, full-time ministry. I was, I was the newbie, but he had a, his friend from seminary come, George. And George showed us but God. And he walked us through the scriptures like you're going to do. And he showed us that how man put Jesus into the tomb, but God raised him from the dead. What's impossible with man is so possible with God. But the one that I want to focus on today, which you'll see behind me in a minute, is, uh, is going to be, we make our plans, but God directs the steps. So let me tell you, standing here right now, after 24 years, totally but God, right? I mean, the fact that I'd be standing here, if you told me I'd be doing this, I'd say, man, you're nuts. You're nuts. If I, at age 25, I first heard about but God, and I'm coming back to share about it, I could never imagine that from advertising, from being in marketing, going to Kellogg. Now, that was a blessing because there at business school, I got to meet my wife in a Latin dancing class. So that's like another but God in itself. But I couldn't imagine we moved here and 24 years ago and living in Morristown, working at Nabisco. We went out last night in Morristown. How great to be back with, without our kids. Just a couple. We first got married. I was like, oh, wow, this is great. <laughs> anyway, um, I could never imagine that we would be in what were blue seats then, right? And we were the first missionaries to be called out of here, right? It was so great to be with the worship band and be preparing. And then later to see others that went and, and gone on to missions. We would never imagine we were going to go for one year. We were there for 13 years. And then we came back and it's been another 10 years here in the U.S. And now God has called me back after just in the last few months to go back, actually back 10 years where I was with Global Hope Network. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I could have never imagined all that happening. Not at all. So, here's the verse I want to focus on. This is, from, this is from Proverbs. We make our plans, but God directs the steps. I could show a picture next. This, this is a verse that um, meant a lot to me. And when I was with my team in Paris, when we first left the blue seats, they gave us a picture of, if it's coming up, it's okay. There's a picture of, of our kids, and they're walking through the sand. And it's just such a great picture of that's our plan, but God is so much more behind that. Are those pictures available? Oh, they're there. Oh, great. So look, going back one. Um, 
So this is in French, so please forgive me, but le cœur de l'homme, méditer savoir, mais c'est l'éternel de vie, c'est pas. And if for, to just to give you a point of reference in the next one, these are our kids now. We actually did have three kids. This is Paul and Julia and Anna. And this is Anna. She's about to graduate and is going to St. Andrews. Do you guys know that school? St. Andrews in Scotland. So I'd like you to say it with me. Go back to the English. We make our plans, but God directs the steps. Are you ready? One, two, three. We make our plans. There's so much power in those words. So, John, if you also told me that I would be up here telling you because I'm writing a book, that is a but God. I was never the writer in the family. I didn't know what was going to happen a lot coming into 2022. Did you guys know what was coming into this year? I was wandering. I was searching. I had a lot of things. I didn't know what was going to happen. There's only one thing I knew. I'm going to do a fast. So I did a fast for 10 days. And the second day of the fast, God wakes me up at 4.45 in the morning. He says, get out of bed. I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. Get out of bed. I get out of bed. I take a journal. I'm there for two hours before my daughter gets up for school. And I write 27 pages. And God gives me 10 to 15 chapters. He says, you're going to write a book. I was never the writer. My brother was the writer. And so I'm going to steal from that book. I guess I can, right? It's my book. So I'm going to steal from it. And we're going to do three chapters today. It's going to call But God Possibilities, But God Challenges, and But God Ready. So But God Possibilities. These are possibilities that come out of But God moments for you and for others. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever had a word for the year? Have you ever done that? Raise a hand, some of you. I heard that in 2018, and my word was hope. And then the next year, I actually got a job with Guipos, who was all about bringing hope. But guess what my word was for this year? It was possibilities. And I was talking to a friend that I met in California. He goes, Bill, I told him, here's my word for the year, possibilities. Here's the book idea. And he goes, wow, do you see that those two go really close together? Yeah, you're right. So when we have these but God moments, they open up new possibilities. Let me tell you an example of one. And Dave All, who's been with me with Global Hope, will know who I'm talking about. It was about a year and a half ago, I was downstairs working on a, a table, a dining room table for my grandfather. He had passed. And Virgie's upstairs, and she says, Bill, did you hear that Hal Jones passed away? Hal Jones was our mentor and, and leader of Global Hope Network International, which I've come back to now. And she, I said, oh, my. I, was whole, I started to have tears. I'm like, oh. I was sad, but I was really happy. Because if there's anyone that I know has impacted people's lives, it was him. If there's anyone that I know is with Jesus, it was him. And so I had been invited to go the next day to help the homeless in New York City. And uh, I wasn't sure I was going to go, but I said, I'm going to go in honor of my mentor to go feed the homeless. It was pouring rain, but I'm like, I'm getting on the train. I head into the city, and I'm doing the uh, drinks, and then I get to the food truck. And I'm literally, you're not going to believe this, um, I'm handing out food to different people, literally from the 30 different countries that we worked with in the Middle East, North Africa, Central Asia. And we did all that. And then afterwards, I turned to the people who were passing me the food, and one of them was the president of Bomba Socks. Does anyone know Bomba Socks? Bomba, thanks. Bomba Socks is when you buy a pair of socks, they give it to the homeless. And they've done like 41 million of those, and it takes a long time to be a partner. But we have a Zoom call. We were doing a project for Team Moms, and we, he, through the Zoom call, he agreed to put, boom so to put Bomba Socks into each of these containers to give out. And they ended up going across the whole U.S., even into fishing villages in Alaska. Now, did I know that? What was my plan? My plan was I'm going to go feed the homeless in honor of my mentor who had passed. 
little know that God had all kinds of possibilities with the president of Bomba Socks, being able to bless teen moms. And I was thinking about that, and what is an example that came to my mind from the word? Zacchaeus, little guy, our friend in Luke 19, right? Zacchaeus wanted, had heard about Jesus, a rich, influential tax collector, but there's all these crowds. I can't, I want to see Jesus, but I'm short. So he had a plan. He ran ahead. He jumped up a sycamore tree and says, I will see Jesus. Jesus sees him, says, come on down. I want to dine with you tonight. And they dine. And he, he's so transformed that he, he acknowledges himself to Jesus. And he says, all right, I'm going to pay everybody back. I'll pay people back. Give half my money to the poor. I'll pay you back four times. But, you know, like both Zacchaeus and I, what did we have? We had a plan. What was Zacchaeus' plan? Climb a tree. What was my plan? Get on a train. Go to the city to help the homeless. But God had so many other possibilities behind that. He had so much, and he's doing that all the time. But, you know, it's not just for us, right? These but God moments that I really believe could even be happening as we're sitting here are for other people. Let me give you a few examples. When we were with Global Hope in China, in Tibet, in an area where it was pretty rough, we were coming down the mountain, and I'm in charge of the team, right? And you know, you have the clock, right? You're like, okay, we gotta get to this next meeting, we're going. We're going down the hill, and there's a car that's gone over the side of the road. Do you think, you can't call AAA, right? <laughs> so there's a side on the side of the road, and you know, we're like, okay, we gotta go, go, no one's stopping. And Hal Jones, you know, the one who passed away, is like, stop the van. You got like 20 people. We jump out, and we go over, and we're trying to get that car up, and we still can't do it. Then what happens? Everybody stops, you know? He probably didn't even have a plan, but that was an interruption. I call them compassion interruptions. Here's another one for you. This is from our church in Fairfield, Connecticut, that I heard. It's called The Phone Call by Auburn Sandstrom, and it was from 2015 on the Moth Radio Hour. There's a woman struggling with drug addiction, mental health, drugged out, verge of suicide. Um, her husband was going out to get some, get some drugs. She's like, oh, he's not going to bring them to me. Uh, he was, she was on the edge. The only thing keeping her alive was her baby boy in the next room that gave her a, a sense. And her mom had given her a little piece of paper with a phone number on for a counselor. And so she's thinking about it. Do I call? Do I call? She has nothing left. So she, she just reaches out and makes a phone call. Guy picks up the phone. Hello? She starts to express her life, everything that's going on. And he listens, and, and she pours out her heart, and she feels peace coming inside her. And someone's listening to me, and someone cares about me. I'm a person again. And he goes, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I did not want to interrupt you, but this was a wrong number. And she, she, he, what did the guy do? He could have hung up, and she was blessed. One other example of this, Jesus I love these compassion interruptions. You literally have a plan in your life, and you literally have to move back. So Jesus is walking along, and right, you know the story. He's going to help a synagogue leader's daughter who's dying, and he's in a crowd, and a woman grabs his cloak, and she's like, who touched me? He turns. He was supposed to get there to save this girl's life. He turns and says to the disciples, who touched me? And they find out, and the, but of course, he heals, she's healed, and of course, in God's way, he still gets to go. And the, the, the girl dies, gets resurrected. More glory goes to God, right? But I'm not saying that's going to happen. Nothing's going to raise the dead. But this is the kind of things that, that God can do. Amen? 
So I have a question for you. You've got to do a little bit of work. So I've told you about some of these but God stories that can kind of, we make our plans, right? But we hold them very loosely. Some people say write it with a pencil. And then things happen. Or we can be the but God story for someone else in their challenges. So think to yourself, have you had any of these in your life? Have you had a but God moment? Have you had a but God story? If you were me, what would you share? Have you helped someone? Think about that and then put just two words in your mind. So for me, I would put, okay, China ditch. That was one. Climb tree. So go take a minute in your mind and think of a but God story. And just in your mind, put two words to it. Did you guys get one? Did you get one? Okay, good. Excellent. Let's move to chapter two. And I would love if you guys tell those to each other, or you can tell them to me. I'd love to hear them too. So chapter two, do you remember what it was? But God challenges. What happens when I'm really, there's a but God I've been waiting for so long, it's just not coming. What if I've never had a but God? What are you talking about? And I totally get that. You know, when I was uh, writing this chapter, But God Challenges, I was in a challenge. I came into 2022, and I didn't know what's happening. And I said I went to a fast, and I felt like I was going in a circle, and I wasn't going anywhere. Where where was that happening? And I call this the in-between story. Am I in the beginning of a but God? Am I in the middle of a but God? Or am I at the end of a but God? Who, any Lord of the Ring fans? Oh, good, thank God. <laughs> I'd be in trouble. So anyway, Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings. There's a great speech in the second movie, Twin Towers. You know, Frodo the Hobbit has, has to carry this ring and put it in to the, into the volcano in Mordor to save Middle-earth into Mount Doom. And he's walking with his companion, Sam, his friend, his hobbit. His, his, you have good friends in your life. And he's just like, the ring is just taking over. The power's too heavy. He's like... Sam, I can't do this anymore. And so here's what Sam says. I'm going to read this to you. I'm not going to try to do their accent, but anyway. I know it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't know, you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? Sounds a little bit like today. But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why, but I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories, they had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. They were in this middle of the story. They didn't know there were going to be all these books written about the Lord of the Rings, and, but they didn't know where they were. And sometimes we don't know we're in a story. And when I was, I was thinking about this, I looked out the window, and you know, like before spring, what, is the, what does the ground look like? What do your gardens look like? Not much going on, right? And then, you know, I'm, and that's how it can be. I feel like there's nothing going on. Lord, where are you? What is happening right now? And I looked out again, and there was daffodils. And beautiful. They seemed to pop out of nowhere. Isn't that like a butt God? Can't it happen like that? You know, it can't just, whoa. I looked out, and there it was. And that's what I pray, and that's what is a reminder for us, that those, those things can happen. Spoiler alert. Frodo and Sam, they did save Middle Earth. <laughs> they did make it back. And for me, it was very interesting that I actually, um, through the wandering, and God led me back home 
to Global Hope where I was 10 years ago, where I used to come here and tell you stories about bringing help and hope to the hurting and hidden, God brought me back in a new old way. And it was like I used to tell you stories about Sarah, a widow from the stand countries. Her, this, we're all about helping people that help themselves. She, her brothers were picking sticks. They're making less than a dollar a day. Her husband had gotten killed. She, her brothers, to make money, were going to sell her to the Iman, the Muslim Iman, to be the 10th wife. That's not a great role to be. And we got her a job in the jam production. Do you think the brothers were going to sell her now? She was making more than the brothers. They weren't going to sell her. And so she got a job. She was making more than her brothers. And then she was able to actually get her married, and her life was totally transformed. But let me show you something, because um, pictures are better than a thousand words. I will, I will be out there. There will be out in the foyer something more about Global Hope. You can hear what we're doing. But I had a real joy of my daughter, who one going to St. Andrews. She, to graduate, she had to do an internship. So she interned with Global Hope. And she took all our old videos, and she made this video, which I want to show you. You can play this video. She made this video. She made a one-minute, we called it a sizzle mix of what Global Hope is doing. I want to show that to you. The heart of this matter is helping others reach a point where outside help is no longer needed. It's all about offering those in need a hand up, not a handout. When they say they have lack, we can say, hey, here's some money. Here, this solves your, your lack of money. But we won't have addressed the 90% of the problem that they really feel like. <laughs> You work with the villagers and, and you learn together that for the next program they will be able to do it without the external help. They are the ones to run with it. It's not us. We are just sharing our vision. We are just sharing our ideas. Our development is initiated by the community, not global hope. Choosing the village, the first thing is the need. Helping them to help themselves. It's how we, working together, stop poverty. That's our passion. Anybody want, what do you think? Did she do a good job? So I was super excited, and um, I'd love to tell you more about that work. But back to chapter two. Um, actually, I do want to invite you, if we have a shot here for Lebanon. Dave, we're doing a trip to Lebanon. Dave's been on a lot of trips with Global Hope. He went on the first trip that my dad would go on. So, very excited about that. So, Lebanon, we are, there's been about three um, disasters, and we're going to go in, and we're going to help um, people through that water and different things, Syrian refugees. But if anybody brave enough to come to Lebanon, we will also have a virtual trip at the same time. Does that sound better? But so we would love for you to come along for that. This is crazy, though. All right, you ready for this one? Just blew me away. Imagine a girl from high school standing right there whose father was with me in the missions team over 20 years ago, and she's a senior in high school. And at that time, I was working with students in Paris. And she's like, I want to go on a mission trip. She came to our mission trip in Paris to work with students, right? She, and then she goes on. She gets a degree in mental health, things like that. Ten years ago, I invited her to a trip to Myanmar. She can't go. A few more years later, she's cleaning out her inbox, and this trip to Lebanon pop pops up with Global Hope. She goes on this, that first trip to Lebanon, and she's, she lets me know, because I'm with Global Hope, and now we're going to go together again, and she's starting our whole trauma arm. Can you imagine that? That's the idea of this. You know, you don't know when you're going to meet somebody, when you're going to talk to someone, where it's going to lead, where it's all going to end up. 
You just have to be ready. So that leads us to the last chapter, which is, but God ready. Are you ready? I had to say that. No. Anyway, but God ready. So this is an interesting thing. Dave might know this, but Barry Quiner, if you're out there, you'd know it because you're in Jordan. If you were with me on a short-term trip, like what they're doing in Guatemala, I'm so excited they're there. Betsy, thank you. For, let's hear for Betsy for all that you've done. I mean, it's just awesome. If you were on a trip with me and we just arrived in country, right, we'd be sitting around a small circle, and I would quickly say this to you. I'd say, all right, did you bring your flex powder? What? I wasn't on the packing list. What do you mean the flex powder? I'm like, relax, <laughs> relax. It's an image. You need to put your flex, right, Betsy? You need to put your flex powder on every day because that plan we made, guess what's going to happen by the end of the week when we're sitting again? We won't even recognize it. And so you just, and I'd say to them, hey, you know, I'm going to give you permission. If you see your teammate is having a hard time with this culture and all, you have permission to say, hey, buddy, did you put your flex powder on today? <laughs> you have permission. Well, thanks to Virginia, I happen to have a travel size right here. So I have my travel size. Hi, Rich, how are you? I have a travel size uh, flex powder. But you know what I learned? Guess what we learned? Put this on at home. When we came back from the trips, you know, put it on every day. And guess what? This is really, why do you think this, this goes great? I felt like an advertisement. This goes good with but God. The reason it goes good, <laughs> the reason it goes good with but God is because I have, I'm ready. I'm expecting. I have plans, but I'm going to hold them loosely. I'm going to write them in pencil. I want to put this on my pencil marking and see what God's going to do. You know, it was, it was pretty crazy. I got, a, I got a text in November from Barry Quiner. And John Eisenman's up here. John, love you. And here's Sean McLean, and they're talking, and they're interviewing. He sends me a text, Bill, he just talked about you. I said, what? Go back. How many years ago? I don't, I don't know. A lot. <laughs> we're in a little, we're, it's missions week at Mendham. And, you know, we're down there in the youth room that used to be on, right there in the hall. And we're presenting the story of Hudson Taylor, the first missionary to China. He's on the stage. He goes, yeah, Bill and Virgie Morin came here. Those people out of the blue seats. He probably didn't say that. And he said, you know, he talked about Hudson Taylor. And that's why we're going to the mission field. Where are they going? We went to Paris. They're, going, they're in Germany. Can you believe that? That's just a but God, right? That's just, and it's great. All the other missionaries who have gone out since there. Brian Davis, Tim Meyer. Um, I hope to meet Dan Hutton in Lebanon. So it's just, it's just incredible what God can do. Well, don't worry. I'm bringing this to a close. The, um, when I was going up, working on this book, which again is just such a butt God to me, I can't believe I'm writing a book, and my daughter said, we're driving her back to college up at Bard in New York, and she said, Dad, what stories are you going to tell? You, you told so many. And I think I told, hey, Dad, we tell stories a lot over and over, right? She's like, which ones are you going to tell? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But I'd like to tell you one more. And, you know, I might say this is one of my favorites, but, you know, my kids say, you say that all the time. So let me tell you about Bruno from Brazil. So during COVID, all our men's group, my dad was at a church in Greenwich. All the men's were doing Zoom calls. And then they finally had a barbecue where they brought everyone together. Did you guys do that? You get, you get to see each other in person. And they said, why don't you invite your sons? So my dad invites me. And um, what was my plan? One, to encourage my dad. Two, like this church, in our years of ministry, we had a lot of people from my parents' church support us. So I was like, okay, I want to meet people that I know and get connected to them, say hi, support my dad. And so, you know, I'm making my way around the room, saying hi, and I get up to a cluster and waiting for the person to finish talking. And, and then all of a sudden, there's this guy on my left. Oh, hi, it's Bruno. Go to another group. Oh, it's Bruno. And then later, the speaker's about to start, get your hot dogs, get your, go get a chair. I sit down. There's a guy that I haven't seen yet. 
I sit down next to me, it's Bruno from Brazil. The speaker finishes, and then there's a discussion. And Bruno's just like, he seems to know what he's doing, but he's struggling. And something in my spirit said, ask him to lunch. So I ask him to lunch. We go to lunch um, in Stanford near his office. And here's what my plan was. My plan, oh, here's a young man from Brazil. Maybe he came back to faith. He's found this church and get to hear this encouraging story. We sit down. He goes, Bill, I ask a lot of questions, so I found out. Um, and he said, Bill, I've been praying to God for three months to meet someone to, to answer this question. Oh, he says, what do I have to do to know God? I'm like, oh, and all of a sudden I'm like, went back to mission days when I left here how many years ago. I'm like, oh, you don't have to do anything. Jesus has paid it all. There's nothing you have to do. Just pray. Let's just pray. You can receive Christ into your life right now. And he did. I'm like, okay. We're on a boardwalk, in a business boardwalk in Stanford. And then he prayed to receive Christ. And then the next day, he says, it was like, Bill, now that I have a new relation with God, what do I do? And I'm like, oh, read the book of John. He reads the book of John. He's in Chicago reading with his son. He writes me back, goes, Bill, I just read this story in Luke 5 about how this crippled man was 38 years old, 38 years crippled, and Jesus heals him. He goes, Bill, I'm 38. Then I get another text. Bill, they had a baptism at our church. And that day I decided to get baptized. I'm like, what is this? And it keeps going. So we're doing like a weekly call. And I, I, you know, when I went to write a book, I'm like, how do you write a book? What do we do when we don't know how to do something? We go to Google, right? <laughs> how do you write a book? I was like, do you need to have a date? And so I have, a, I said, you should have an accountability partner. So he's actually keeping me accountable every week. And I said, um, I want to have a, a target date. I said, all right, I want to have a first draft done by April 16th. He goes, why'd you pick April 16th? And I said, well, during the fasting time, God also encouraged me to read the Bible, and I read the Bible in 90 days. It was another thing that came out of this wandering time. And I said, I'm going to finish that April 16th. And he goes, wow, that's my birthday. I just like, if you think about all the things, this young guy from Brazil meeting, going, my plan, going to my dad's study to try to meet some people and connect with them and then to meet and then him be praying to God for three months and can I have somebody who can answer my question and come to know God and then I decide to write a book, which is totally crazy. I'm standing here telling you about him writing a book and then I meet him and say, hey, will you help me each week to be accountable? And then it's his birthday? You know, I asked Virginie's mom, how do you translate this? Mon Dieu. And she said, made you. You know, all you can say sometimes is made you, you know, but God. Anyway, so how about you? Have you uh, taken anything away? Any ideas from but God possibilities, but God challenges, but God ready? It's so exciting for me to be here with you guys. You have no idea. I, I'm, I'm just excited because this is such a but God moment. That's like, I would never imagine this. Would you imagine? I don't know. I could never imagine this. So, but we do make our plans. Let's put this on together. Like encourage each other to put, put on your But God Flex powder. Be ready. Keep your eyes open. Keep looking out that window, you know? Take another look. It may not be dark and brown anymore. And I'll be praying as you continue, as we continue this journey of But God and seeing what God has for us. Here's my hope. I would hope that can you see a little why I can't say it enough? And I hope that you are come to the point where you can't say it enough. And more importantly, because of the hope it brings. There is hope. But God, but God, but God. There's no ceiling. We can't say it enough. Praises Him. Thank you guys. It's great being with you.